Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Mr. Beacon podcast is sponsored by Williot, scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth. So welcome to... Another episode of Mr. Beacon. Um, we are talking to a, a very um, old friend, a regular uh, contributor to the program, uh, the CEO, co-founder of Estimote, uh, Jacob Krizic. Thanks so much, Jacob, for, uh, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always fun to uh, speak with you about uh, the sort of current technologies, but also this time sort of current situation and how the technologies we've been talking for so many years can actually finally contribute to, you know, solve solve some of the challenges. Yeah. So um, I, I I feel the same way. Uh, it seems like uh, Bluetooth beacons have found uh, a really uh, perfect application, and uh, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, so the, I mean, the general topic is Bluetooth contact tracing in the era of COVID nineteen. And so uh, during our conversation, I want to talk a bit about, um, you know, how this might work, obviously why it's important. I think that's fairly self-evident, but it's worth uh, having a few words around that. Then uh, talking about some of the alternative uh, approaches using uh, uh, Bluetooth technology and, and not using Bluetooth technology. And then I think there's a whole bunch of fascinating issues around privacy and uh, ethics and uh, um, just some uh, look at, uh, you know, what's out there um, and uh, some prognostication. So hopefully this will, uh, this will be useful to, to people. But before we get into that, how, how are you? It looks like you're at home. So you're in, uh, in Poland. Is it Krakow? Or, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in Krakow um, working um, from home for the last, you know, five weeks. Uh, so it's um, it's sort of fun, you know, <laughs> having kids around and, you know, wife is also working remotely. But of course, I miss the sort of all <laughs> the days of, you know, being able to, you know, enjoy the sort of outer life out there. But um, but it is what it is. We're just trying to do our best 
sort of uh, working with our team remotely. And, you know, it's not, like a, it's not like a new concept for us because we have a teams in US and in Europe. So we kind of used to the remote work. But of course, as a hardware company, as a company that is also designing products, it's a little bit more tricky because, you know, uh, now it's kind of the access to our laboratory and R&D is kind of limited. And where do you manufacture these days? We actually always been manufacturing here in Central Europe. So that's the kind of one of the advantages that we've, we haven't been that much impacted by the sort of supply, supply chain uh, sort of issues, you know, in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, and also this region, Central Europe and Poland, been very sort of aggressive in terms of introducing a bunch of restrictions. So it seems like we, we will not be that much impacted, hopefully. So it's actually good for our manufacturing. We, we're still producing. Okay, so you're, you're able, we're going to talk about this new device that you've created uh, yeah. and you're able to, uh, to create new products and manufacture them. Um, uh, presumably you're a little bit constrained, but you can still get the product out there. Absolutely. So as, as you know, um, because we've covered that, um, I think in the last episode where uh, we've been sort of demonstrating a continuous um, evolution in terms of the proximity and location technology. So as you remember, Estimode has started, you know, more than seven years ago around the iBeacon and, you know, we've designed those sort of iconic, you know, devices that developers sort of been using for different use cases. And gradually we've been adding new capabilities and new features as the IoT uh, market has been um, uh, developing. So, you know, it was, I think last year we talked um, um, about LTE Beacon. So it was a, it was a beacon, uh, which has, you know, all the Bluetooth function and transmitting and scanning and all of that. But in addition, we have added a cellular module. So that beacon could also talk directly to the, to the cloud using some of the new low power, low data technologies, such as narrowband or LTEM. And as you remember, um, in addition to adding those radios, we made the beacon entirely programmable, which means that using JavaScript, uh, you can turn on, turn off all the radios and you can build your own logic because, you know, configuring beacon, it wasn't practical anymore. You, you, you know, we wanted to give developers a, sort of a way to program it, but without the need to be magician of the embedded engineering. So, you know, almost anyone in JavaScript can sort of play around. And, um, and more or less same time, uh, we started to deploy in US, um, mostly in hotels and also construction sites and hospitals, uh, panic buttons. So these were exactly same, exactly same product, but slightly different form factor. Um, with like a little button that you could push. And, and once that button was pressed, uh, the beacon would scan over the, using Bluetooth for, uh, for ordinary Bluetooth beacons deployed in a hotel and, and then would report through the, through the cellular network which room, which floor you are. So it was like a safety, uh, safety wearable, safety sort of device for, uh, for employees, for sort of, we call them, lonely workers, right, which, which are typically at risk. And, um, and in the beginning of this year, when we sort of started to see from our Chinese partners who are providing us with some of the components, we've seen some of the challenges, like we pretty quickly understood that this might sort of escalate globally. 
and we have sort of, exactly and we have quickly um, repurposed that device so maybe I can I can share my screen uh, let's see if this is gonna work um, mm -hmm. can you can you actually yeah, yeah. see the screen yeah absolutely okay it's, perfect uh, so yeah, so we so this is what we've created. So so we have used exactly same hardware, right? It's a it's a it's a sort of uh, on programmable beacon with LTE, and we have just repurposed it. We just created a new function, new sort of snippet of the mm -hmm. code. So we we turn it into a wearable. So mm -hmm. it's a wearable that is transmitting and mm -hmm. also scanning for other devices. And if yes. we detect that they are close to each other. Uh, we can, number one, turn on the light just to kind of, you know, show like a red color that you're too close. We, well, there's uh, also like a little buzzer. So it's going to like, you know, start beeping and I'm going to show you the demo. That is great because I, I don't know about you, but you go uh, shopping and some people are very respectful of the distance and other people are not. They, and, not. and I think, you know, they're not malicious, maybe it's, uh, but just this... These, I think we've seen from a user experience point of view, sound and light, that can be, it's actually easier than saying, hey, would you mind? The user away? experience of sound and voice yeah. and, the, and, the, and the visuals, it's definitely sort of uh, important. So, so, so basically, this is the function we did. But what's most important is that these devices, they encrypt the data and they store in the memory uh, who are the other devices? Who are the other people that you were in a, um, in the close contact and for how long? Yes. And um, and these data are transmitted to the sort of secure database, um, uh, but they are anonymized, right? So this is extremely important uh, for the for the employees that will be using um, uh, this system. That mm. you we can only statistically show that you know this is how many people uh, are protected with the wearable technology this is how many people are keeping the social distance but there are still some people they do not keep the social distance so we can push a button and they mm -hmm. can remind them that they they must keep the social distance because there's yeah. no vaccine there's no other way to keep this thing under control right and and as i said we also keep the measurements you know which teams have been interacting but this is it's anonymized, so so some employers sort of cannot reveal, cannot show, and consume uh, consume that data, um, unless uh, people and you and and, uh, and uh, employ uh, employees are uh, are reporting that something is going terribly wrong. So th since there is a programmable button, they can push this button uh, in order to indicate that maybe they have symptoms, maybe. Uh, they need help, maybe there is something uh, wrong going on. And real time over the cellular network, we are um, informing the risk manager who is using the dashboard that these are the, these are the team members that need um, uh, assistance or, or they might, may, might have symptoms, might be infected, or maybe they tested positive, right? And, and that's the only moment uh, we will disclose who are the employees or individuals that were in close contact with that person for the last two weeks uh, who potentially uh, the risk manager should you know push a button and, mm -hmm. and send a notification um, to them that they maybe should stay home or maybe they, they shouldn't access some of the restricted areas so so this tool is this tool is from one hand something to simplify the contact tracing within the enterprise within the company 
but also to sort of keep motivating people to keep the distance um, and sort of watch if they comply to that to these regulations. So that's something we really quickly put together on top of our programmable stack. And, um, and we believe that this potentially could help some of the companies to sort of restart after the lockdown and maybe in a gradual way sort of protect their team members and the same the same time not to risk uh, that there could be another outbreak within their um, company. So this was specifically designed for um, for workplace. So it's, it's not like a consumer device at this point. Mm -hmm. We are targeting initially you know, food production company, drug production company, logistics, all the companies that they must keep going when we are, you know, working from home and, 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 and under the lockdowns. And, and there is um, tons of different scenarios um, people interact with each other, right? So, so you know, the, the, the beauty of this device is that it's configurable and it's also programmable, right? So you, you might sort of tweak it a little bit for, for different uh, scenarios. So one of the scenarios is that you know, you might uh, you you might want to because you know the the wearables they're scanning for other wearables, but mm -hmm. they also might scan for for the Bluetooth beacons that you have deployed uh, in the venue. So these are ordinary beacons; they last multiple years, and you know they are inexpensive. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in that case, the the wearable will also store those tokens generated by the beacons, so that if there is someone infected, you can also resolve where that person was uh, just in case you have to disinfect it or maybe restrict the, um, the access. So, so that is pretty much, um, you know, the, the, the new product. We just sort of launched it and we've produced the, the first batches and we're already actually shipping to uh, globally to different hospitals and warehouses and, and retailers. So, you know, we really hope that this technology can, can help them, um, you know, keep going uh, despite that there will be some restrictions, you know? Well, that's fantastic. And congratulations on the very, very rapid pivot. I mean, how long has it taken you to, for, so you, you got the idea from uh, your engagement with folks in China, you saw it, how long did this pivot take? You know, as I said, the platform is fully programmable using JavaScript. So it literally took maybe a few days to re repurpose and reuse the existing uh, hardware. We just changed changed the color to be sort of more visible and mm -hmm. and then, you know, quickly put together the components such as, you know, the dashboard and so on. So it is really powerful. I, I actually want to show you a demo of this programmable platform and also the sort of buzzer that is beeping each time. Okay, um, yeah, there's a lot to cover. Let's do that. I do want to get back to ethics and privacy and alternatives. And, Extremely uh, important, absolutely. But so uh, let's have a look at what you got. Yeah, so check this out. So what you can see here, it's a, it's a sort of um, programmable uh, aspect of, of the platform, right? So I do have two devices. So I'm, now I'm showing to the camera. I'm not okay. sure this is gonna be visible, so maybe let me show you again. So I, I do have right. two devices. They, they, they are designed you know, the way that, you know, we envision people will be wearing yeah. them or maybe like as a keychain or, or, or something like that. Well, let's, uh, let's get into, you're, you're showing us the programmability um, and, you know, I suspect there's going to be a lot of people watching this who are not the, our typical uh, viewers who are kind of uh, uh, conversant or maybe even interested in the depths of the technology. But 
it is a key point that you can change and customize this. And I was thinking about this versus the alternatives like um, uh, the work that Apple and Google are, are doing. That's an obvious thing. It's, that still uses, at the heart of it, the Bluetooth beacons that your platform is leveraging. But it seems like what you are able to do is to adapt to a different uh, organization's uh, rules, policies, needs in yeah. a way that you couldn't really do with a generic uh, platform. You know, ab ab absolutely. So you can see the w the way it, it works. Like when I push when I push the button. Oh my God, this is really loud. <laughs> yeah. So as, so basically, the way it works is that if I push the button and I'm too close to the other device, so I'll just try to make it really far away. Just one sec, you will see. Uh, yeah. how it works. Hopefully you can tune it uh, when you, when you uh, do the editing. So if I move out. Yeah. Speaking less. All right. And if I, if I approach it really close, then it's beeping much, much faster and it's much more, much more noisy. So, so basically, you know, this technology is fully programmable. Whether you want to keep beeping or, or you want to sort of measure the exposure different employees had, maybe you want to send an alert that someone entered the, the zone that shouldn't be there. Like it's, it's a fully programmable platform that um, will help companies not only to sort of address number of issues they will encounter uh, during this crisis, but also hopefully, uh, you know, uh, find some use cases after the, the crisis because they can always reprogram them into panic buttons or asset tracking uh, locators or anything like that. Yeah, it's clear, um, you know, we've all been thinking about how we survive this nightmare, but also what happens afterwards and how things are going to be different. Uh, and it does seem to me that there's going to be a renewed heightened focus on asset tracking uh, and supply chains. Uh, we have learned how important it is to know where masks and uh, um, uh, ventilators are. Um, but also just generally, uh, you know, healthcare will get, a, a, I think, an abundant focus and we'll be looking at making it more efficient. So hopefully some of this infrastructure, this knowledge can be repurposed afterwards. And to be frank, I think we're going to, people are going to accept that this is not a once in a lifetime thing, that we have to be ready for the next one, which horror of horrors could be even worse than uh, what we're going through now. Yeah, so, you know, definitely this crisis will um, inspire a lot of smart people to see how different technologies, sensors and mobile can sort of help us be more productive, be more efficient. You know, we will not only learn that you can actually work from home and you're as productive as in the office, but but we can also, uh, we can also learn that, um, you know, if you have less employees available, maybe there are some techniques, there are some processes together with the technology that can continue to uh, make you a productive company and deliver the same amount of goods and the same amount of drugs and food and this and that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, the current situation we are right now, because this, this crisis is not over and it's not probably going to be over for another many weeks or months. So that's why we have to be really creative. Like we have to reuse and repurpose what we currently have. And this is, you know, once one of the initiatives that you mentioned, 
um, that has a sort of alternative approach. So as you know, uh, you know, Apple and Google, uh, they're also working on a consumer, consumer sort of contact tracing application uh, where they plan to use Bluetooth as a platform to also detect, um, you know, the, the, the proximity. So the same way this device was like beeping, you know, every smartphone has a, has a, has a Bluetooth radio that, uh, you know, can also act as a transmitter and also can scan. It wasn't possible for the phones to transmit in the background because that, that was uh, sort of from the privacy perspective uh, a little bit challenging. But, but, but this initiative that Google and Apple has is introducing some sort of encryption mechanism, some sort of public-private keys that is at least making it manageable from the perspective of keeping the right balance. So, so we, we also really excited because let's be honest, we've been in this proximity tech for the last seven years and we always knew that, you know, this, this physical world around us like must have some digital fabric and we need to be able to detect who met who and like where are the assets and like is, is that fine or is that productive and you know finally we're gonna see sort of like a little bit manifestation of, or, or like a, an application of of these technologies so yeah you know whatever the standards are there companies like like estimate will definitely contribute our expertise to make sure that um, both solutions for enterprise and for commercial and for the workplace can also collaborate and be interoperable with the solutions for the consumers. Because let's be honest, society, we need to restart both. We need to keep people to, to, to the malls and, you know, keep going to malls and using the public transportation and kids in the school. But at the same time, we need to make sure that those employees are protected, you know, especially the ones that are exposed, you know. Yeah, traceability is clearly, I mean, basically testing and traceability are the two key planks of getting us back to not normal, but at least some level that is economically and psychologically sustainable. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Sustainable. Absolutely. And also, you know, let's be honest, you know, uh, testing, p testing uh, whether it's like a PCR, DNA test, like it, it, it's also kind of not as pragmatic 
to be retesting your employees all the time and also delivering some sort of like a proof of health. So, so that's why, you know, if we know that this disease is highly infectious, you know, people just need to kind of talk for a few seconds or minutes and just touch and then it, it can transmit. Like, yeah, maybe the proximity, maybe the physical aspect is a good proxy, right? So if, if, there are no enough, if there is not enough tests and if testing is not sustainable, maybe it's enough to keep the social distance and also measure it if we, if we keep doing it the right way. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Oh. Oh, and what about privacy? This is, uh, you know, we have to cover it. Um, I feel like, you know, I have my own personal views on it. I grew up in England where, you know, we have cameras everywhere because the reality is, even though it's very difficult to get shot in England, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot, it's, it's easy to get beaten up, or it was when I grew up. And so this uh, battle against crime, people accepted that it was okay to give up a certain amount of privacy in order to have safety and security. And that's, I think, less so here in, uh, in, in, in the States. But to me, there's like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I feel like, um, you know, having, uh, having uh, food, and shelter and uh, 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 economic viability is is more important to me than privacy. I mean, there's a lot of dangers that uh, never let a good crisis go to waste has been used in good ways and bad ways. And I know that privacy uh, uh, advocates are very uh, keen that uh, we don't uh, give up our, our our rights in this in this time, never to get them back again. But to me being alive is more important than being private. And uh, you know, we, we, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know we, we are coming, you know, at least some, some part of our company, of course, is a European company with a heritage from Central Europe where we've been fighting for freedom for, for, for decades. We know what it means, um, the real freedom and the real right to be, you know, to, for the privacy. So, so we try to keep the right balance. You're absolutely right that people sometimes they have this temptation to give up their, their freedoms to have this temporary safety. But I, I, I feel this was one of the US presidents. He said that you know, they don't deserve neither the safety neither the freedom if they give up uh, it for just temporary um, gain. So, you know, we, we must as a tech uh, as a tech experts, we must build solutions that keep the right balance, right? So if you don't have to know who are the people you ate breakfast yesterday or you met, you, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't exploit these data for, your, uh, for, the, for the commercial or profit uh, um, objective, right? But if you've tested positive and, and we can save life, if, we, if you tell us where you have been and who you met, well, that, that you should share. And, and, and sharing that data should be as simple as like pushing a button, right? So, so the way we think about that, it, it should be opt-in. It should be, it, people should declare, you know, no, no company should force uh, employees to do that. Uh, but at the same time, if the technology can, can help us, like it should help, right? So again, the, the beauty about proximity technologies such as Bluetooth or ultra wideband or a bunch of other technologies was that you can always opt out. You can, you can always turn it off. You can always delete the app. 
And the same with this wearable, right? You, you, you know, it, it's going to last like three, four days and then you have to recharge it, right? You have to recharge it. It's you. And also you can always just put it, put it away, even though you are not contributing, right? If you do so, right? Because then you are not protected, right? So every time you go to work, perhaps you should have it because by pushing a button, you might uh, request for help or you might help with the contract tracing. So to be honest with you, sometimes I feel that instead of uh, hiring engineers or designers, we must hire philosophers who will help us with these choices because it's, it's a little bit beyond the technology, you know? Yeah, it is. I, I, I guess there are some technology basics, though, like where is this data stored in the system that you have developed? That's something that people will, uh, will want to know. What's the approach that you've taken with that? Yeah, so again, time is of an essence right now. So when we pilot this with companies, we use our hosted environment and, you know, AWS servers, and mm -hmm. then we just demonstrate the feasibility of this technology and the accuracy. But the moment customers decide to deploy it, we typically in the containerized environment deploy it, you know, in their infrastructure. So, so you know, the, the data are, are there and, and, and they sort of maintain it. But again, um, you know, by, by default, um, it, th there is a, the data are anonymized, and this is how our software is designed. And, you know, we, we have no control either if they're going to decide to reverse engineer or, or play with the tag, because that's, everyone can do that, you know? Yeah. Well, that seems like a really good balance, a pragmatic balance, and time is of the essence. So we'll have to see if this doing, recording out in the garden is a good thing. San Diego is a wonderful place, but we're surrounded by military bases with helicopters and also the birds have just the, been going birds, bananas. The ever birds since. are fantastic, yeah. <laughs> um, so thanks everyone that's listening for putting up with the background noise. Um, so let, there's a couple of other topics I wanted to cover, but let's just make sure we've talked about the alternatives uh, really thoroughly. I, I guess the other alternative, we've talked a bit about the Google Apple approach. Um, uh, and then there's the manual approach. Um, and to me, I mean, I can barely remember anything about yesterday. So the idea of being able to keep track of every place I went to and everything uh, I picked up and every person I met and how close I was, I mean, it just seems nonsensical that we could have a robust approach that uh, it does yeah. not use some kind of technology. Let's be honest, you know, there are technologies currently existing built into phones and wearables and whatnot that we can use to slightly redesign how we will go back to normal, right? So, you know, if we sort of extrapolate uh, how people will go back to stadiums to watch games or how people go back to the shopping, well, there is no question that people would feel comfortably if they, they know that the staff they are dealing with, the employees they deal with, they, they are healthy, they have not been in touch with, uh, with uh, infected individuals or they have not visited um, hotspots. But the other hand, staff and employees within the retail or stadium, they would also want the consumers visiting and the guests visiting to demonstrate that they also have been responsible. They haven't been to the hotspots. They have 
they haven't demonstrated symptoms. So it seems that that is a society we have to reinvent quickly if we want to keep the economy, you know, on the right track because we, we need people to have normal lives. So again, we can do that with the currently existing technologies and the right balance and also some of the coalitions. So, so this collaboration between an Apple and Google is, is a great, great indicator that there will be some companies joining forces to sort of reinvent how the society can, can keep going. And again, maybe we will start with the shopping malls and stadiums, but let's be honest, I can envision some technologies that when you board a plane, the same way they scan your body, they will be somehow verifying like a digital sort of proof of health. And, and let's be honest, it cannot be, it should not be like a through QR codes or a, it should be something, you know, frictionless because otherwise people uh, will be just annoyed by that, you know, they will not accept that, you know, it has to be frictionless. And again, those technologies exist today and we've been working on them many years. You touched on some of the uh, places where this technology is already starting to be used. Can you just spend a bit more time on that? Where have you seen uh, the best response to this and where have, have has there been any areas where you thought that would be, people would be interested and uh, uh, and, the, and they weren't where's the good fit uh, what's, what are you so you know as I, as I mentioned we are trying to target companies that have employees who potentially could be at risk which means that they are they are there on the battlefield they're meeting with different people they're shaking hands they're you know, con constantly exposed. So, you know, th these are typically, you know, uh, factory workers or, um, you know, shipping um, companies, logistics, um, you know, food production, drug production. But we also see slowly that there are some retailers, some sports arenas, they, they start, you know, airports, they start to explore how they can reopen, right? So, of course, hospitals, that's another uh, important sort of cluster. But let's be honest, hospitals are extremely busy right now. So they, 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 they probably would love to have those type of technologies, but they first need to sort of fight with the existing sort of, uh, you know, um, load of, 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 of patients and so on. Yeah. Okay. Um Last topic I wanted to talk about was the ethics that uh, surrounds kind of pr making uh, profits from something that is uh, uh, kind of uh, essential, uh, an essential service. And, you know, when we first met, I was working on the Beacon Technologies book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Ecosystem. And uh, that was really funding a company called Cause-Based Solutions. And there was a whole bunch of ideas that I was prototyping, uh, payment cards that uh, gave money to round it up and gave the money to charity. So, you know, you can probably tell where my mind's at. I, I, you know, I believe cause-based solutions, if you can make money by helping people, then actually that's not a bad thing. In fact, if we, if we found that one of the best ways to help be, uh, to, to make money was to help people, the world would be a lot better place than, uh, you know, the, the opposite. But, 
you know, the, I think there's, uh, with some people, there's like a purity test, you know, charity and good works have to be completely not profitable. And how, how do you, um, have you, what's the reaction been to what you're doing? And how do you think about this fact that, uh, you know, a cynic might say, oh, uh, you guys are exploiting this crisis for your own uh, benefit. And this is, uh, you know, not greenwashing, but whatever the uh, COVID washing. Yeah, I mean, listen, so we, we've been, again, we've been, it's, it's not like um, opportunistic, you know, uh, jump on, on this because we've been on this market for many, many years working with so many individuals trying to solve great, great problems with, you know, the technology. And, you know, whenever we see that this can, technology could be a fit, uh, we, we're putting this together and just kind of talking to customers, what do they think? And also, you know that better than anyone else, that the, the IoT technology is pretty inexpensive, you know? So if you compare the cost of a wearable or cost of a beacon or even the servers like the data plan, if you compare it to a, a, an hour rate in, 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 in US or in Europe, probably within an hour or two, uh, the employee is going to burn the same amount of cash that it costs to, to, to sponsor the technology for like a, almost like a year. Right. So, yeah. so, um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of be concerned about critics uh, saying that companies will be exploiting, like, you know, you know, at the end of the day, we need to make business sustainable, right? So we need to make sure that we can pay to the factories for producing it and we can pay to all the developers and designers for designing this. And, uh, and again, if we can help uh, employees or we can help companies to save like millions of dollars that potentially they could risk if the, if the factory or, or warehouse is closed, yeah, that's, 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 that's a kind of great win-win and we, we're changing the world. And also, to be honest with you, we, we've been into this business for the last seven years and we, we had this obsession about this concept of something what we call an operating system for the physical world. Like we've always been talking about that, that the software and the applications will be designed for the physical world, right? So, so now we kind of see the first sort of use cases, first applications, but let's also be honest, we've always been sort of missing the mission, you know, why, why we want to do that? Like why we want to build this operating system, right? And, and, and this sort of crisis is actually showing us pretty, uh, pretty, pretty well that, that, you know, we can literally change the world. We can literally save lives um, and help, uh, help, help other people to be healthy, to be, to go back to normal. And to be honest with you, that mission, that mission, that purpose is, is worth way more than all the profits that potentially could be extracted from the, those type of systems. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of conclusion. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. And it, to me, it comes back to efficacy and sustainability. So as long as what you are providing works and it helps and it's real, which I believe this is, uh, uh, and... Uh, then, then we should be doing this and we should be doing it in a way that is sustainable. Uh, and if at the same time we can put infrastructure in place and spread knowledge that helps, you know, uh, progress this uh, broader vision, uh, your operating system for the real world, and we, we can show real tangible benefits that help real people, uh, then what, what, what better way of moving technology forward in a positive direction? And, and, and also, you, you also, uh, as, as William, are part of uh, that sort of, 
trend where we see that the technologies are evolving, they're better, they're faster, they're cheaper, they're lower, lower power. So who knows, maybe, maybe some of those technologies that we, we're sort of showing today together, they, they, they might build this sort of platform of the future of you know, smart workplace or the location intelligence. And they, they will in general help people, like you said, you know, maybe be prepared for no, this and not a crisis because like we, don't, we never know what's going to hit us next, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I think um, I'm excited by the work that Williot's doing with Estimote. We're, we're uh, testing our tags with, uh, uh, with your uh, uh, smart uh, uh, beacon and gateway uh, technology. Um, and so this idea of maybe in the future extending this so that we can actually track the things that you touch, the tools that this person picked up and the products that they... Uh, uh, maybe contaminated is uh, is super exciting as as well. So uh, uh, I, I uh, we should wrap up. But uh, Jacob, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you've got a great mind, and I uh, really love what your company is doing there. So congratulations, uh, well done. Yeah, thank thank you so much. And and also, you know, you're doing a fantastic job. You know, connecting with all the smart people in this space and let them share uh, ideas. This is always very inspiring to watch all the episodes and see how different people are le leveraging existing technologies and productize it with slightly different ideas. So it's kind of fascinating and you know, keep doing a great job. Thank you so much for this. Thanks, Jacob. Be safe. All the best to you and your family. <laughs> Take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.